Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Rogue Opinions Retro SmackDown Reviews. It is time once again to get checked back into the SmackDown Hotel, and joining me on the lovely little single bed that we're sharing in the SmackDown Hotel. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Let me just make sure you stay over on your side. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll set up a whole wall of pillows like we always do, but, you know, just, you know, get... We're going to get comfy. We're going to get comfy. We're going to settle in for the fourth episode of SmackDown Live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, but before we do that, how uh, how's everything been going on your side there, Scott? It's been pretty good. Uh, I went to go see ICW Shug's House Party uh, 6 both nights last weekend. It was a pretty cool show. We were meant to have Jeff Jarrett in the main event of night one, and he couldn't make it, so we got Kushida instead which I think is a pretty sweet upgrade to film on. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much the highlight of what, what's been going on with me. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I was supposed to go to uh, Violence and Suffering's No Bitch Assness. I uh, ended up not being able to make it due to car troubles, um, but hopefully in the next uh, few months we'll be able to throw something together uh, with uh, the return of Pro Wrestling Magic in September. Uh, a couple big matches on that show that I'm sure we'll get into as time goes on. But right now, as we're getting settled into the room, it's time to dive right back into 1999. We are two weeks away from Unforgiven live on pay-per-view. And this week, as I said, SmackDown rushed right into Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, the show opens up with all of the refs outside on strike. Uh, so uh, as I'm not watching the Raws as as often as, uh, as you are, for these shows, so uh, why don't you enlighten the people and let let everyone know what was going on with uh, the refs standing outside the building on a quite hot day in September in Las Vegas, might I add? Yeah, uh, I, I thought to myself, I'll make sure I take notes this time. I ended up making a, a lot of notes on this on this episode of Raw. First off, we had Linda McMahon and the Stooges opening the show. Before before that, we had all like we had all six. We had. Undertaker, Big Show, Kane, Mankind, and they're all called backstage seen looking for Triple H. The funniest of which being Mankind and Honor. I'm I'm all over that burying thing. I just want to talk. <laughs> uh, Mick Foley is on fire. Like the last like few weeks, ever since he's been with The Rock and everything, he is just comedy gold. Yeah, there was like, a promo earlier on with him and the and the Rock and. Michael Cole asked them, what do you think of, before you could finish, goes, it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> <laughs> but we had Linda announcing that there would be a five-man match on that show to determine our new number one contender for the title because Triple H has pissed off so many people. But Linda also wanted Triple H to defend the title against Steve Austin and Triple H came out to try and intimidate her and ended up with Triple H and China beating up the Stooges. And this is why I say, like, Patterson and Briscoe have been getting very, very physical in the last few weeks. They've gotten more physical than half the roster in the last few weeks. They've had a match. I mean, so different in 2019. We're talking about two former 24-7 champions here. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but honestly, as it relates to the, the referees, we had... Basically, the whole match ended in carnage. Like we had a, a wild Fisher and Midian appear at, at ringside. They're said to be connected to the Undertaker, but we never explained how. And basically, the whole thing ends up in kind of a mess. 
referees are constantly getting beaten up. New referees come out, they get beaten up. And it just gets to the point where so many referees and officials have been taken out. We see Earl Hebner running down to the ring and he looks at the situation and he just thinks, nah. And he walks back up the ramp and then eventually, like, half the roster comes out and has to separate them. So the match goes to a no contest and they kind of half-heartedly on this show announce when Triple H comes out, oh yeah, it's announced on uh, com. It's going to be a six-pack challenge. Like, very little fanfare for that announcement. Like, oh yeah, that's this is happening now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about I can have connections with stuff that happened on Raw. Uh, there was one match that, uh, that wasn't mentioned here that I'll talk about, which was well, there a couple of matches. There was there was uh, sorry, I've got I've so many notes I'm getting lost here. Here we go. It uh, happens. D- it happens quite frequently. Yeah, we had Devon and Farouk in a strap match for reasons. And Devon won because behind the referee's back, uh, Bubba smacked for it right in the head with a chair. And then post match, Bradshaw basically ran at Bubba Ray and got a chair thrown at him as well. And the Dudley's just scarfered. And then we had uh, Chaz versus the Godfather. And we had basically the whole thing with Chaz is is he or is he not hitting his wife? And we had the Godfather joke, make a joke about it, saying, "I would offer you one of the hoes, but you've had not, haven't had that much luck with women lately." <laughs> and then later on in the match, his uh, girlfriend, Chaz's girlfriend, comes out. She has glass, sunglasses on. She takes them off and reveals she's got a black eye. And she just keeps yelling, "Why?" And then the Godfather gets this really angry look on his face. This is he like, "What have you done?" And just beats the hell out of Chaz, and he wins. So then I think like. It's, it's, it's weird when we're at a stage where the guy who basically sells women for a living as well as wrestling is the guy taking a stand for women. He's a pimp with a heart of gold. It's not a story yeah. you get to hear these days anymore. Yeah. Really fighting those stereotypes about how pimps operate. Hey, he may not pay them uh, all the time because he's always giving them away for free, but at least he's willing to stand up for their honor. Yeah. But uh, the main... Austin was scheduled to get his, his title match on Raw, but uh, Triple H came out with a bunch of police and security and said for what Austin did to him at the end of SmackDown, as we saw, which was basically attempted murder, Triple H had Austin arrested. So he came back out later in the night and said to Linda, basically say that Austin had wasted his opportunity, but she said she wouldn't, she wouldn't do it. She said Austin is still with a title opportunity and Triple H basically is again trying to intimidate her and we get the long-awaited return of Vince McMahon, the man who in July of that year said, I'm going away forever and forever in the new definition is two months. Yeah, that's longer than we get nowadays. He would have been back, you know, the following week because I know uh, in July when that stipulation had happened, he said that he was going to be gone forever. He showed up the next night to give like a farewell address and then he was gone for two months um but now he's back because i mean we see him again on this episode of smackdown for a little bit so we're getting right back into the swing of things he had been in a motorcycle accident yeah uh, yeah just before uh fully loaded but he didn't miss a day of work bruce pritchard said that he was on some sort of cruise 
at the time. Like if you go over and listen to uh, something to wrestle with episode for uh, fully loaded 99, uh, he talks about it where uh, he calls Vince once they dock the boat and he's just like uh, Vince's uh, whole demeanor was just like, well, you know, goddamn man, I'm going down the street and this woman just backs out and I flew right over the top of the car, but I got up and they, 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 they wanted to take me in for tests and you know, goddamn it. I don't like those stupid friggin' tests that they make me take. I had to miss a day at the office and, but he's right back at raw the next night doing stuff, uh, back at the office the day after that. Vince McMahon is just like the human version of a Terminator. <laughs> yeah. And he comes out, he said he wouldn't get involved in WF business, uh, anymore but he came out and said this isn't business this is personal because this is his wife that probably is getting a face off and Vince comes out he's full proper like throat gargling with him I'm like oh the hell do you think you are you son of a bitch <laughs> and he just gets right up in Trilly's face I think he slaps him at one point and then Austin comes out they ring the bell so it's an official match the title's on the line we assume uh, Austin's throwing him out from pillar to post but at one point, he's, he's so desperate to get to Triple H that he just shoves Earl Hebner, and that's a DQ. So I think with that and what happened earlier, the rest have just decided that's enough. Yeah, and then that's where we pick up here tonight on SmackDown, out front of the arena where the referees uh, formed a picket line. Hell no, they won't go back inside the ring to count one, two, three. That's their whole deal. <laughs> Um, but the show opens up properly. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out and he essentially says that, you know, he set out to do one thing and that was kick Triple H's ass. And, you know, he did beat his ass and on Raw. That's exactly what he did. And, you know, he, he threatens to, to follow Triple H around and uh, says that he wants his rematch. No holds barred uh, that they, he could easy do this either the easy way or the hard way. Triple H and China come out with the police. And Triple H says, one of my favorite lines I've ever heard somebody speak into a microphone. He says, you ain't getting Jack, Jack. <laughs> um, and uh, Austin uh, Austin checks uh, uh, Triple H's hearing at one point, And he says, you got 15,000 people calling you an asshole. Um, which continues the trend of calling out what the fans are saying. Uh, which is so funny that it gets so ignored now that like you don't even really get even the people in the ring calling it out. But here it's every single week uh, that somebody's getting called an asshole or, you know, you fucked up like just whole things. They're getting called out in the ring on commentary, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's see. He says, uh, triple H says that, uh, that is the name of the game. Uh, you know, trying to get those catchphrases over with, you know, oof. Um, <laughs> but instead he says, triple H says he will face a main eventer of his choice. Uh, but Austin promises his, uh, Hunter that he'll be so far up his ass he won't be able to walk right, which, you know, kinky. Um, <laughs> and this is where they announced <laughs> this is where they announced that the six pack challenge was made for Unforgiven due to the events from Raw's number one contenders match. Um, so kind of a big uh, sloppy, big, a lot, a lot of stuff going on in this opening segment. What did you make of it here, Scott? Yeah, I really liked Austin's promo. Uh, I was surprised by it because this is really not the best of Austin's like career this period from like SummerSlam to Survivor Series before he goes away because well he's dealing with a lot of injuries so he's very limited in what he can do but he's still a very good talker even seen that on the Raw reunion show a few weeks ago and like I like the kind of the intrigue they, they do this quite a lot on 
he's shows Pohon Ryan smashing with the tees. So and so is going to get an opportunity, but we don't know who's getting an opportunity. And we've done this before when they did the fake out of Austin, and then it turned out to be Gilbert. And we'll talk about who Triple H takes on later night. But I like that they kind of provide you with a bit of a hook for later on. And I remember when they saw it, showed the graphic later on with Triple H, Rock, Mankind, Kane, Big Show, and Undertaker in the Six Pack Challenge. I thought, I'm sure that nothing will, nothing will be, nothing will be different when we get to Unforgiven. Oh no, absolutely not. There, things will be business as usual as we move forward. Um, they show Cindy Margolis in the crowd. Uh, speaking of. Uh, things that will be exciting later on um shane <laughs> shane comes out looking for a fight with joey abs are we're meant to just buy into this whole shane mcmahon is a good guy thing now huh because uh I, I don't know it's it's very it's very weird the, the the dynamic that shane mcmahon has uh especially even on this episode yeah because uh, on raw we had shane get taken out backstage and it's pretty much all that Showing to be the posse, like they keep implying that it was probably the posse that took him out. Because we see him lying backstage, and but he gets up quick, quick, quickly, and like you can tell, the posse would have little effect on Shane. This is a man who walked away from a from a helicopter crash. Well, speaking of speaking of helicopter crashes, my I'm gonna just be completely honest with you. When he jumped over the top rope, which is something he does next when the posse comes out, flies over the top rope and takes out the entire posse. My butthole clenched just a little bit. Because that's not something that you would see an untrained wrestler do specifically, but he just sort of fucking went for it. Um, and that that brings Gerald Briscoe out as the referee. And our first match of the evening is Shane McMahon versus Joey Abs with the Mean Street Posse and Terry in uh, his corner. Uh, now, okay, so this is something that they had going on all night, like different just dudes in referee shirts. We're just coming out, and some of them I don't even think were referee shirts. Like, there were some of them that didn't even have the WWF logo on it. They just sort of looked like uh, Foot Locker uniforms. Uh, like, it was just blank referee shirts. But uh, Joe Briscoe comes out here, and uh, Pete Gas ends up pulling, like, moments into the match. Pete Gas pulls Gerald Briscoe, and uh, Briscoe fights back. Uh, Shane Low blows abs, and Pat Patterson comes out as the second ref. Shane is on fire in this match, by the way. I mean, he's, like, really going in at Joey Abs in this match. Um, what did you make of uh, Shane McMahon's performance here um, as, uh, you know, as, as we get closer to the end of the match, Sean Stasiak comes out as the next referee, uh, and he counts the three for Shane to get the win. Um, so what did you make of Shane's performance here and uh, just the brouhaha with all the different referees? Yeah, like the idea with the referees, it really gives this idea that like not having the proper officials is causing them to really scramble to find suitable replacements. And we get like three different referees in this match within a five minute period. And I really thought Shane looked good, but like he's not really got the best like measuring stick to go against when he's in there and there with a member of the Main Street Posse. But I remember on Raw it was Test V I can't remember which one it was and what was they, they kind of look, all look the same to me these the main street posse but uh shane comes out to help them and they end up chasing off the posse and they even get in a they both get in a car and drive after them which i thought was quite funny just i just want there's a ride-along episode i want to watch them chasing down the main street posse yeah like why don't we get that as a as a ride-along where he's just like a camera guy's in the passenger seat you just see the one wrestler who's just like motherfucker i'm gonna get this son of a bitch for like 20 minutes it cuts back to the other car holy shit dude he's behind us he's fucking behind us 
You know, I just think that that could be that's that's WWE Network like top tier level payment like yeah. content that I would pay for. Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff we should be doing with the twenty four seventy. Like our truth and Carmella get in one car and we see a group of wrestlers and another car chasing after them. Yeah. Oh, that would be fantastic. Just like the twenty four seven thing, it just pops on the network every once in a while, and it's just somebody driving away, like freaking out because they have like a SUV filled with wrestlers behind them, trying to like go through like like red lights and hitting people in crosswalks, you know, just like the whole deal. Um, but somebody somebody else who's not very happy is the women's champion Ivory, is not happy about uh, Cindy Margolis being at ringside. So after the break, uh, Ivory comes out and asks Cindy to join her in the ring. Um, and eventually she does. Um, Ivory praises her and asks uh, uh, Cindy to show off one of her poses. Um, and then Cindy's like, no, no, this is this is your show. This is your thing. And then it's, immediately Ivory gets like super rapey and is just like, you need to get down on the fucking ground because you need to show all these people those poses. Oh, yeah. Um and she's like holding her and eventually double J comes out and puts the figure four leg lock on Cindy. Uh, and, uh, and then ivory after a spear. Um, so like, w- what is even going on here? <laughs> I don't know if this is a 90 thing or a different country thing, but I was sitting here like sitting during the whole show and basically during a segment thing, like who the fuck is this? Like, I have no idea who this woman is. She's like a swimsuit model uh, back in the 90s. She was like, for a while, like when the internet was sort of new, uh, a lot of like things in the States would be like, oh, uh, Cindy Margolis was the most downloaded person on the internet this week. And it's like, yes, she was, because we were all 13 when AOL started and fucking Cindy Margolis was fucking hot, baby. Um, and yeah, so they 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 make reference to that on commentary a couple times about how she's the most downloaded person on the internet that month or that year or whatever. Um, and it's easy to see why she's a gorgeous lady. Um, and but then like Ivory just for some reason doesn't like other beautiful women. Um, so she just got real like weird with her. <laughs> yeah, and the whole thing with Jeff Jarrett, it didn't get much better in his attitudes towards women on Raw. This past week, where he threw an open challenge to basically any woman on the roster, you continue to try and prove that men are the dominant species, as he calls it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, this is an actual line that Jeff Jarrett said in a promo when he was calling it whoever was going to answer his open challenge. If you wear a dress and squat to go to the bathroom, I want to see you in the ring. Oh man! <laughs> so we got Luna Vachon answering. Jarrett's open challenge. She looked really good up until the point where Ivory like, attacked her with I think, a candle stick and she helped Jarrett win the match. No, sorry. She hit her with the candle stick and that caused Luna to win by the DQ. And when Lillian Garcia uh, announces that Luna's won by DQ, that really angers Jeff Jarrett. So he drags Lillian Garcia in the ring and puts her in a figure four. He's just on a run of putting these women in figure fours. Yeah, but mo- the most entertaining thing about this match on Raw was two signs that I spotted in the crowd. One, this had to be somebody g- given money for this. They said, their sign said, I paid to see Double J. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Like, nice to see Jared Jarrett in the crowd. 
Yeah, yeah, it's good. To, good to see he's out there, uh, so, you know, helping his son out in tough times. Um, and it, sure. it's you know, it's good that even in the late '90s, like he was portrayed as the heel here. Um, people were booing him. Like, I mean, this could have went. This could have looked really bad in uh, retrospect. Which, by the way, just a quick time out here. I ended up watching uh, WrestleMania 18 mm-hmm. last night just for shits and giggles, and they do a whole thing where Booker T is playing uh the one of the wwf uh smackdown games with some child or whatever and he couldn't find himself in the game so he chooses chris benoit and Mm -hmm. then and then it cuts and i swear to god this is what he says i'm gonna hurt this little boy and that just doesn't age well to me and i feel like maybe they need to go back and just sort of cherry pick some of these little because it's an awkward segment regardless Uh, just cherry pick some of these little things out you know I, i mean yeah it's fascinating what they choose to take out and what they keep in. It's just, oh, I was sitting in, the, I was sitting watching that with my friends, and I just was like, oh, twenty years has not done this clip any justice. But, uh, um, sorry, it's another sign that I've seen on Raw. It may have been during Dolce's match, but it was earlier on when I seen. It, I thought I need to take note of this. So it's probably one of the more creative scenes I've seen in a while. It just says, "It doesn't matter what my sign says." <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, uh, I think that ends up being in like one of the PlayStation SmackDown games too. Like when you can choose the signs that are in the crowd for your guy. Um, I'm pretty sure like one of those got like added in there at some point. Brilliant. Um, so speaking of Lillian Garcia, she is with Triple H, China, and the cops. Uh, Triple H says that Austin better hope he doesn't uh, come find him first. So uh, both of these men are going to be looking for each other. Um, and I think... Austin is a pretty damn good hider, as we see later on. So, um, we go back to the ring now for our second match: Sexual Chocolate, Mark Henry versus the man that Charisma forgot, Steve Blackman. <laughs> uh, Tony Gurria is the ref. Uh, Val comes out quickly and cracks Blackman with a kendo stick. I mean, one of the craziest kendo stick shots to the head I've ever fucking seen. Like, it was like the nub of it right at the end, just bang right off the forehead. Um, and then, uh, Henry retains due to that Delo comes out and delivers a sky high to Henry, uh, showing off uh, some pretty impressive strength. Uh, what did you make of this quick European championship match? Yeah. Like I think it's the first appearance of the European title since on SmackDown since we've been doing these because it's mostly been on raw, but some context for this match, it was supposed to be Blackman and Henry taking on Val Venus and Delo and a tag team match on Raw. And earlier on that night, we'd seen a conversation between Dilo and the Godfather. We didn't hear the audio, but we could see uh, Dilo would take, had a pile of money, take some of the notes, give it to the Godfather. Godfather would give him a look as if to say, like, I need more than that. And then Dilo just gave him more and more money. And then later on, uh, Mark Henry's music hits, but he never comes out. So basically, Blackman loses because he's in a handicap match, which really underplays the whole thing. He, him being a lethal weapon and yet he still can't win in a handicap match but you know and then post-match we get GTV revealing that Godfather's hoes are giving Mark Henry a lap dance because Dilo Brown paid them off and that's why he wasn't in the ring well I mean I mean l- listen if you're getting that many hoes it is going to be quite the pretty penny to make sure <laughs> all of those women are keeping Mark Henry busy so to speak yeah but- um for this Good. match, like, there's not really much to say about the actual action of the match because uh, the main note I made was blink and you'll miss it because like 
the time between the match starting and the first person getting involved and causing a DQ is really very short. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this match doesn't go very long, um, but uh, the sky high that he gives to Henry, I mean, just, I mean, D'Lo, it's it's unfortunate that D'Lo sort of loses um, his focus soon uh, soon after the whole incident when draws happens that's coming up because uh, he's really on a roll here, and uh, it is unfortunate that we don't get a lot more of uh, this D'Lo moving forward. Yeah, he's really underrated talent from this period. Uh, backstage again, uh, Cindy Margolis is being uh, loaded into an ambulance, but J- Jeff Jarrett is not having any of that. He goes back there and it is screaming in Cindy Margolis' face. Um, weirdly, uh, I don't know. I did this. Did it just? It's another one of those things that didn't uh, age well for me. Uh, but thankfully, good guy Test shows up and they get into a fight, and Jarrett challenges Test for an IC title match later on this evening. Um, I mean, the idea that Jeff Jarrett would go and just accost a woman being loaded into an ambulance is ridiculous. Uh, so what what did you what did you get from this whole interaction that they had back there? Yeah, like it's almost like very comical when you talk about how much Jarrett is going into this whole anti-women thing. But it's one of the things that you're going to have this type of gimmick. You either go all the way with it or you might as well not do it at all. So it's nice to see that Jarrett's really coming into it, if that makes any sense. But I really love Tess getting involved here, of all people. Like, I'm, I still stand by the idea that Tess's gimmick during this period, as long as he's with Stephanie, is he's the nice young man you want your daughter to bring home. That's, that's his character at the moment. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's just carrying that, that chivalrous flag. He's out there <laughs> defending all women, any women, at any given moment. He's just floating around the back like a chivalrous Superman. Just like, oh, I heard a, I heard a lady in danger. Um, Jericho comes out and explains uh, why Curtis Hughes... Okay, now, I'm going to have to ask you about Curtis Hughes. I did not remember this guy at all when I saw this match graphic uh, pop up. Yeah, so I forgot Curtis Hughes came back as well. So... There was a steel cage hanging above the ring on Raw, and nobody could tell why there was a steel cage brought to the end. They weren't scheduled to have a steel cage match. But it turns out Jericho comes out, and what he calls the Y2 jail, basically his version of an octagon, and he shows he wants to prove that he's the most, most dangerous man, not Ken Shamrock. So he brings out a guy who's covered head to toe in black, and he's covered, his face is covered, a man he calls Gotch Gracie, who he claims is a big world-famous MMA fighter, and Jericho just beats him up. He easily manhandles him. He puts him in the walls of Jericho or the Lion Team, or wherever it's called at the spear, and easily taps him out. And Shamrock eventually comes down, he gets in the cage, then Gotchwitch pops back up and beats him up and eventually reveals himself to be Curtis Hughes. Okay. Um, so um, Jericho comes out and explains that Curtis Hughes uh, has replaced him in this match uh, with Shamrock tonight. Says that uh, Shamrock cowered in fear and called Jericho. Uh, uh, Jericho uh, called himself the world's most dangerous man. Uh, uh, th- he then introduces uh, El Dopo, I believe, is what I yeah. was I wrote down here as uh, he's a famous Mexican referee, um, which they, I'm sure they have those. Um, so then we go into, uh, Ken Shamrock versus Curtis Hughes, uh, Jericho doing some pretty decent mic work here. Um, 
uh, he's just uh, it came across to me that he was just sort of uh, like just taking anything and everything that was being thrown at him and trying to make it work the best that he could. Did this uh, promo pre-match promo uh, work for you? Yeah, I just want to go back to what I said earlier about Raw. Like, I tried my best, but if it still sounds confusing. That's I was I couldn't make sense of it either. And I actually watched Raw. Like the idea of like the pairing of Howard Finkel and Jericho's went up and now they like they clearly don't know what to do with them. They thought, how about Curtis Hughes? But yeah, go. and yeah, I can still see some of WCW Jericho. He's still in this weird transitional phase, but he's still really good at making like whatever he can, whatever he's given work. Like he said, Curtis Hughes is not here to protect him from Shamrock. He can protect Shamrock for what Jericho might do to him if he gets his hands on him, which is really, which is really good. My opinion, the whole turnaround, like, oh no, I'm not scared. He's he's here to protect you, not me. And it's more positive than what I can say about the match because Curtis Jews, to put it nicely, is dog shit. Yes, yes, he is. Um, and Jer- Jericho's on commentary for this match, but it, it is the definition of shenanigans this match uh i even wrote in my commentary match in, in quotes uh <laughs> ends when el dobo doesn't dq uh the el, el dobo dq shamrock uh and it is revealed that fink is you guessed it el dopo um so i mean just shenanigans all around uh jericho gets on and off commentary uh if i'm remembering this right i watched this part of the show a couple days ago um but yeah he uh I mean, he's just on commentary ripping into Shamrock, and it, it almost seems that, like, Jericho is just sort of, he knows that he's been stuck with this, so, you know, better days ahead for young Christopher Jericho, obviously. Yeah, I remember reading in Jericho's book, if I'm not mistaken, that he said apparently Curtis Hughes also suffered from uh, a bit of narcolepsy, so he was standing at ringside, and midway through a match, Jericho would look over and notice Hughes had fell asleep. At the, while sitting at the ring apron. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's I mean, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's just like he's, he is useless. Like, how this guy? He was around in the nineties. I believe he had a match on paper against the Undertaker, and then he comes back. Like, where where did this guy come from? I mean, to to be able to wrestle and have narcolepsy at like i mean I, you i mean he could like fall asleep with somebody like up for a power bomb or something and kill them you know i yeah. mean that's that's just that that just is i had never heard that before because i had no idea i had no memory of this guy curtis Hughes being in the the wwf or had n- never really even seen him like in my head it's as if i never even saw him um but wow, that's that that's stunning that they would allow this guy on TV or let alone in a ring at all. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine being put in a sleeper hold by him? Then all of a sudden, all you can hear in your ears this guy snoring like he's the one going to sleep. Yeah, he's the only guy who put you in a sleeper hold and fall asleep. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, but because he's like a tight sleeper, he's just like grabbed around you, so you just sort of have to like let him cuddle you until he wakes up. Um. Lillian is backstage with Mankind uh, next up. Uh, he says uh, he hopes Triple H chooses The Rock so he can get new material for when <laughs> he's wrestling, uh, for when he's watching The Rock. Also says uh, that him and The Rock will be functioning as a team in the Royal Rumble Rules match that's taking place later tonight with the five uh, competitors from the Six Pack Challenge. Um, 
and that he's the people's rear end. He's not only <laughs> the rear end, he's the people's rear end, damn it. <laughs> um, you can't not love Mick Foley at this point. He's just he's just so goddamn delightful at this point, isn't he? Like he's like everybody's fun uncle at this point. <laughs> he just he comes out, he tells a few little silly little jokes and you're just like, "Oh, bless you. You're so goddamn adorable." Um but uh, then we get the boot of the week that shows all of the refs uh, getting laid out and um, Hebner ends up walking out, uh, as we described earlier. Um, refs are still on strike as we come back from that. Rock promo, uh, he comes out and, I mean, he just has the people in the palm of his hands here. He runs down all of his opponents uh, in a scenario in which all of them are at the Tropicana Hotel playing the jackpot slot machine of the Brahm, like the Brahma bull slot machine. And he describes that, uh, undertaker is running around. Oh my God, we won. We won. And Kane is walking around just like <laughs> I win, I win. And I'm, I mean, he's just, eh, it's it just, he's just on fire here. Like he could say anything. He could go up there and read a diner menu. And depending on what meal he was reading out, it would just, like the people would lose their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that uh, he's, he's that's when the the, the rock is going to walk in as they're celebrating and everybody would shit in their pants and piss running down their leg. He's going to take those gold coins, shine them up and shove them up their candy asses. The people love that. Um, we go in right into the Royal Rumble rules match. Uh, and I have this written down in the order that they enter because um, we're just going to talk about the match as a whole. So it's the rock. Versus the Big Show, versus Mankind, versus Kane, versus Undertaker. Uh, that's the order in which they go. Um, Rock and Mankind uh, work together uh, on Big Show for a little bit. Um, the action's pretty decent. I mean, uh, Big Show, at least in the early part of this match, was showing a lot of speed and a lot of strength here, which was interesting. Like, he allowed, uh, you know, he did, like, the whole running bit with uh, The Rock. He was, like, selling a little bit for his moves. Obviously, that time that he's spending with Undertaker backstage is really paying off for him. Um, that really that really showed, uh, at least for me, the commentary speculates uh, that the winner of this match may end up beating Triple H tonight for the world title because Triple H has yet to announce whether or not um, whether or not he, uh, whether he's going to face one of these five people or just somebody else. Um Taker comes out and he joins commentary wearing street clothes, which, okay, buddy. Um, <laughs> Mankind uh, eliminates Kane. Uh, then Mankind gets eliminated by The Rock. Um, Taker leaves commentary and tosses out The Rock and Big Show at the end of the match uh, because, quote, he is the power. Which, weird, when he said that, like, he was talking sort of like a, like, he wasn't being very menacing or cryptic on commentary. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to show you how this goes. Because I'm the power. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, still holding on to that, you know, evil ministry guy thing. That, that works, okay. Um, Midian and Viscera come out. They all stare down uh, Big Show. Rock comes in with a swing in a chair. And then uh, Rock gets destroyed by the the remnants of the ministry, as I wrote down. A um, lot, of, lot, lot of fumbling around here. A lot of random people in referee shirts on the outside. Uh, what did you make of this Royal Rumble rules style match uh, midway through the show? Yeah, it was it was an interesting match. My favorite Rock promo, like he can, he literally seems like he can, he's making stuff off, off the top of his head and tell him how 
it still works. Like I remembered, like you did a promo where he mocked Kane did with the whole voice box thing. I didn't realize it was this promo, but I still find it uh, really funny. Like Undertaker when he came out, he looked kind of half the like Demon Ministry Undertaker and half American Badass Undertaker. But when I look at him, I just think, like you look like post show, you and Big Show are going to go join the raid on Area Fifty One. We dress like that. That's what Undertaker's outfit really said to me. But he looked he looked like the guy who's in that like roadside bar at two in the afternoon that had already been there since they opened, and he he's just thinking of stories to tell people later on in the evening who file in. He just, I mean, is just, I mean, with the bandana. I mean, come on, man. Like this bandana did not do him any any uh, any help whatsoever. But I think this is, I think we lose the Undertaker. For a brief bit towards uh towards the end of the year uh yeah. because of injuries and whatnot so yeah and i'm sure undertaker will make good use of his win here and and the rumble rules match i like the way he did it like sitting on commentary for the whole match but i'm sure he'll make great use of the fact he gets to start a match with triple h i'm sure everything will go to plan oh absolutely i think things will just work out for everybody mm-hmm. um Crash and Hardcore Holly come out with their scale. Uh, Hardcore Holly calls out China and says she's had enough time to find a tag team partner. Um, China comes out and she insists that she doesn't need a tag partner. This is another one of those things where China's come out and uh, she's going to be the heel, the, the the face here as she's, you know, you know, working with the men and trying to be part of the, the men's division. And she's too powerful to need a partner or whatever. But then at the same time, she's a heel with triple H and uh, it's, and she comes out to triple H's music. So still very 50, 50 here um, for, uh, yeah. for China going forward. Um, uh, we then go right into crash and hardcore Holly versus China in a two on one handicap match, or at least that's the way that it starts. Um, China double low blows, both of them directly in front of the referee, Dave Hebner, which is why we see he probably wasn't around for a little while. Um, <laughs> Because there's that weird little bit on commentary. Did you catch this? Where they're they're trying to determine what Hebner it is for a moment. Yeah. It just because they look so fucking similar, don't they? Yeah. Um. Mister Ass comes out and stands in uh in China's corner. Um. His hair is ridiculous. <laughs> um. Was he in the back with somebody's niece? Before this, before this match, where they were just like, "Let me braid your hair," and then he was like, "Oh no, no, I gotta go, I gotta go." Um, yeah. I mean, who who else could save the day in the situation when China's at a two-on-one disadvantage? But but Billy Gunn. I mean, just absurd. His hair was <laughs> like the most absurd fucking thing on this whole show. This whole show has so many weird things on it, but Billy Gunn's fucking hair is way at the top of that list. I mean, he's got the, the two braids in the front, but then most of his hair is back, and some of that's braided, and it's a look to like to say the least. Yeah, I mean, to say that his hair stands out amongst all the other weird things that happen on the show, that was, that's really saying something. I had to pause it at one point. <laughs> um, I had to pause it because like I'm just watching it. I'm just going like, what the fuck? Like, how did you look in the mirror and go, "Yep, this is it." This is this is how I'm going out on national television today. Um, so then, uh, speaking of Mr. Dumb Hair, uh, he gets the he tags himself in pretty forcefully, runs right through the Hollies, Famouser one two three, 
uh, China and Billy Gunn get the win. Uh, they argue. Um, and that's when Double J runs out and hits China in the head with a frying pan. It makes the most glorious sound. I mean, bunk right on the back of her head. Um, he then puts an apron on her, a uh, frying pan in her hand and a soup ladle in the other. Tells her to get in the kitchen and make my dinner. Um, oh, how's she going to make your dinner? You just knocked her out with a frying pan. You really not least- thought this through. At least have the decency to go pull her into the kitchen so that when she wakes up, she can make your dinner when she does wake up. But, yeah, he didn't really think this one out. Um, but as you said earlier, like, if they're going to go, like, all the way with uh, with this, like, anti-woman thing, then Jeff Jarrett is really taking that really, really well. Um, I mean, just the world's biggest scumbag here. Yeah, and the whole weird thing, I'm sure we'll come to play later, but... In fact, he has two female valets that just stand there while he's beating up other women as well. Yeah, and they seem to be like, I mean, even like Miss Kitty was like laughing, like chuckling at one point when they were taking the uh, the apron and the soup ladle and stuff out of the bags that they brought down with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're they're at least getting a kick out of it. I mean, good, good on them, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, this is, I mean, great heal stuff like if you're gonna do it do it you know don't go halfway with it you might as well go the whole way mm-hmm. um yeah i mean th- this match was what it was but then this is just to further the whole double j double j and uh china thing um and we move on to backstage to the big boss man is with lillian garcia holding a doggy bag mm-hmm with the remains of the dog Pepper that didn't get eaten last week. Uh, <laughs> there's uh-huh. going to be a Pepper on a pole match. Uh, I mean, uh, just take over. Take over for a sec. <laughs> well, well, there was a, a segment on Raw that is worth talking about. So uh, if, you, if you need time, I will talk about that in the meantime. We had the British Bulldog come out in a really ill-fitting suit. It looked like the jacket space looked like it was a size or two too big for him. So the Bulldog comes out and explains why he's come back to the WWE. He, he's held the European title, he's held the IC title, he's been one half of the tag team champions, and now he wants to hold the one title he hasn't held, and that's the WWF title. But I can really, I cannot take Bulldog seriously. His accent is just too rich or that. I tell you what, lad, I want to win the one title. I've never held it. Oh, well, that's <laughs> title. Ah. Uh, like, I've heard people who talk similarly, and I just look at them like, no, like, you should be working in that factory or something with that voice. You shouldn't be. Well. And yeah. Then... I mean, Bulldog, Bulldog, I mean, in the brief interaction that Bulldog has in this show, like, he's just rough looking at this point, isn't he? Yeah. Because he, we have Bossman coming out to interrupt him, like saying this isn't over between them because he cost them the hardcore title, and then Bossman, sorry, and then Al Snow comes out, and sorry, um, yeah. So Bossman says that this isn't over between the two of them, and he threatens he's going to put uh, the British Bulldog in a doggy bag. And that's when Al Snow comes out, and this is when we get the big moment. We get the challenge for 
the Kennel from Hell match, the five-star, much-loved Kennel from Hell match. And he claims that the dogs that will be around the ring are some of Pepper's relatives. So he brings out, which the commentators joke are distant cousins of Pepper, and he brings out two Rottweilers and probably line of the century from Big uh, from Alfano saying payback is a bitch and these bitches are in heat. Woof. Yep. Um, they, and just like if you didn't feel bad enough for Pepper uh, a few weeks ago when he brought that t- poor tiny little dog out in front of 10,000 screaming fans, these two Rottweilers must have been like so overloaded with like sensory information that it's just wow just like this is like a stretch even for the wwf back in 99 um i mean is it on one of them and the dog just looks so confused yeah and then like they're bar they're getting like made to bark and like chased down but then they're getting like reprimanded for chasing the chasing down boss man too like fervently i guess is the word if i'm using that correctly um but like it's it just it, I just feel bad about every animal used in this fucking whole storyline. It's just it is not for me at all. I know some people really enjoy it. I've heard some people I've spoke to some people who just find it funny. And I don't know. I'm an animal lover. I'm not fucking PETA. I do eat a cheeseburger once every you know couple of days or whatever. But like the I just I can't get behind this at all. Like it is just not for me. Um yeah, so, I mean, then we get the Pepper on a pole match. Big Bossman versus Al Snow. Sergeant Slaughter is the ref. I mean, bless him for showing up. Um, Bulldog and the Rottweilers come out, and, you know, right as uh, Bossman is up on the top rope trying to grab the remains of Pepper, and uh, he's just freaked out by these dogs, um, and he throws the bag out of the ring. Al Snow grabs the bag, and he wins. Um, yeah, I... I don't really have much to say about this. This is just not for me at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm just confused. Like, what the point is was like the dog's already dead. Like, what is else no really going to benefit from by getting these remains? And it's just like I said. Like, we talk about how over the top Jeff Jarrett is. That like I said a few weeks ago, Bossman has crossed the line from everyday villainy to cartoonish supervillain. At this point, he's just he's Doctor Evil levels at this point. Yeah, absolutely. He's just, like, evil for evil's sake. I mean, granted, there is a slight, like, explanation that he wants the hardcore title. But, I mean, like, really, dude, just, like, you get paid. You get paid pretty well. Just go and fucking go up to the to the merch stand and go buy yourself one. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not worth it at this point. You've now killed a dog, force-fed it to the owner, and you're now, like literally holding this bag up that has his remains in it like oh oh you got to be quicker than that got to go get it come on go get it and it's just like i don't like i said this isn't for me this isn't for me at all no i don't think it's there's no target audience for this yeah i don't know i don't know uh triple h and china are shown backstage and uh hunter says that they're going to make history uh tonight by like kicking that son of a bitch's ass um and then as you see in the background hide and seek world champion of 1999 stone cold steve austin is just lurking in the shadows um now this this stood out to me because these cops are so focused on triple h in china that not 15 feet behind them is a grown bald man 
peering out of the shadows out of an open truck. Did they not just do a quick sweep of the area before the person they're supposed to protect is out walking around shit talking everybody? Las Vegas cults for you. Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, Sin City, man. I guess whatever stays in <laughs> whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I mean, there must be so many different balls, man. How are they going to keep track of all of them? That's true. That's very true. Um, I mean, I mean, he definitely like if there was like a like a, a championship for hide and seek, Austin <laughs> should be carrying that belt. Like, he is just, I mean, slithering around. Like you, I mean, I wish they would have done this more throughout the night. Like sort of like a like where's Waldo type of uh, <laughs> type of thing where like he's just in the background just like surveying like and it, or like as they're walking down the hallway you just sort of hear like a beer open and they're like looking around but he's down at the other end drinking a beer already you know <laughs> like just just go full hog with it like because this was the funniest thing on the show to me where other than Billy Gunn's hair like yeah. Austin lurking in the shadows just like. From you know that sound that they use in um, Kill Bill, the whole <laughs> that that should have just like played right in the background as he like stuck his head out, you know. Um, you almost want to go full panto and just yell at Triple H, he's behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the camera guy, like the camera guy who had to fought like like zoom in on him just to see him there as you're hearing Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler say it like, like Hunter doesn't have any of his buddies watching the video feed, just going like, dude, 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 He was in that truck like four seconds ago. Yeah. What we learn over the years is wrestlers don't watch wrestling shows. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, obviously not unless they're like watching it to get insight into a match that they're about to have in like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sit there and watch the show. They're in the back, I guess, you know, I don't know, taking dumps or whatnot or getting their ha- or getting hair, their hair braided by, you know, people's nieces. Um, we go back out to the ring now for the Intercontinental Championship match. Jeff Jarrett with Deborah with Miss Kitty uh, versus Test. Um, this is the Jeff Jarrett show, isn't it? Like he's been out now four times. I think we've seen him. Yeah, I really find it hard to keep track of Jarrett because he just keeps appearing from nowhere. He's just popping up like every every couple of segments. He's boom, 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 boom. He's there. He's hitting somebody in the head with a frying pan or he's putting some woman in a figure four or like spearing a chick to the ground and putting her in the figure four. Like it is unbelievable. It's almost like Jarrett has this weird premonition that he might not be around for much longer. So he's trying to get as much TV time as he can. Yeah, it's as if it's as if he can almost tell the future. Mm-hmm. Um, almost immediately, the posse and Terry come out. Um, Shane and the Stooges all come out. They end up brawling. The match gets thrown out. Uh, Jeff nearly puts the uh, figure four onto Steph, but Shane stops it. Um, I mean, this was just, I mean, shenanigans from wall to wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really championship heavy on this show because it's hard to forget with all the shenanigans that there's three title matches on this show. Yeah, there is. Damn. Yeah, they're they're really trying to bring people in for SmackDown right here. Because, I mean, this like this is the first month of the show on uh, on uh, UPN at the time. And they're just really trying to bring those ratings in. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Um, but yeah, the, I mean, this is, you know, interesting because uh, Jeff just has this like unending bloodlust for wanting to put figure fours on women. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they're trying to do. It doesn't matter if they're not involved. Stephanie happens to be a woman. She's in there and she's getting that figure four. You got to commend Jeff for Jeff for like sticking to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is, he seems up such a lust for like, we only see what happens on Mondays and Thursdays. Like what happens to Jeff the rest of the week? Like, how many women does he put in figure fours and he's all fours? Yeah, like he's just going through the airport and he's just knocking women down, like and putting them in the figure four for a few minutes and then getting up and knocking another woman down. And I can only imagine. See, these are the backstage vignettes I need. I just, yeah. if, if you're going to have Jeff Jarrett hitting women in the head with frying pans and whatever else he's doing, like you got to have like vignettes filmed of him just attacking random women. Just, yeah. I hate all women except for the two women who are by my side constantly and I never put them in figure fours. Yeah, like, you want, like, a female TSA employee checking Jarrett's bag at the airport, finds a guitar, and say, like, what do you do with this guitar? I'll show you, and he just smashes it over her head. <laughs> uh. That would be hilarious. <laughs> what do you use this guitar for? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, let, let me just, I'm going to show you. Here, let me, well, bam! Figure four for, like, 20 minutes until the other security guards come up. Um. <laughs> Oh jeez! I mean, Jeff Jarrett definitely wins the honor of having his uh, his music play at the end of this this episode because he is like all over this episode. Um, it was at about this time though, while I was watching it last night, that uh, my air conditioner decided to fall out of its window at two in the morning. Um, only held up by the uh, the power cord. Uh, so like I missed a big portion of the next thing. Had to go back just before the main event and like really figure out what was going on because. I live on the second floor, for those people who don't know, which I'm hoping is everybody. I don't know. Um, and uh, I'm, like, frantically trying to hold it in as if, like, I'm, like, Schwarzenegger. Was it Stallone in Cliffhanger? Whatever. Or Ace Ventura at the beginning of Ace Ventura 2 when he's holding on to the, to the, the raccoon over <laughs> the, um, the mountain. And I'm just, like, holding it by the, the, the cord. Meanwhile, this, like, brouhaha is going on in the ring. And I'm, like, wrestling but I don't want to kill somebody with this, with this air conditioner, but wrestling. It was a very difficult time at two in the morning for me last night, watching this, uh, watching this show. Um, but after I re rewound, um, triple H China and the cops come out and we see, uh, Stefan test leaving the, uh, the arena after what just happened in the intercontinental title match. Uh, triple H says he got to pick his own ref and select Shane McMahon, uh, which, you know, is greeted by a whole, huh, from the audience uh, who honestly had no idea what was going on as 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 I didn't as well, because this whole segment, I don't even remember any of this happening. Um, and this was quite the segment. Uh, Triple H says there are many superstars in the back that could be considered. He mentions Taker, Big Show, Kane, Mankind, the people's ass, The Rock. Says that he beat them all. Um, he are, he calls Kane the big red retard. Um, he says that uh, he, a big show. He already smashed a sledgehammer on his head, so he doesn't he, he doesn't even know what he has to do that uh, to big show even further. Uh, he basically rules everybody out uh, until he says uh, that he has chosen Vince McMahon. He calls him a hero. Uh, says that. Uh, he, I mean, he, he goads him in any way that he can. He's saying that he want, Linda wants Vince to be his hero. Um, he says that he's chicken shit. 
Um, people are losing their minds because they have no idea what's going on here with, with Vince. Uh, eventually, Vince walks out to no theme uh, and holding a microphone. He asks Triple H sort of like off mic, like real far away. He's just like, oh, listen, let's let's go in the back and handle this like businessmen, you know, like let's not let's not be personal here. Um, uh, Triple H then asks where his balls went, and he prods Vince until Vince eventually attacks Triple H. Um, what else uh, from this little segment here, this uh, promo segment, stood out to you uh, as Triple H was running down all of his opponents and ruling pretty much everybody out? I think you could kind of tell that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be any of them because they wouldn't want to give away like part of their main event two weeks out from the pay-per-view when they've already announced the six-pack challenge. But I do love, I do I'd notice how quickly things move on with Shane being chosen as the referee and him kind of being a face now when only a few weeks ago when SmackDown started, they were like Ian Triple H and China were all best buds. And China's like, she has her arm around his shoulder. They still seem fairly friendly here. And he's sort of like on Triple H's side a little bit. You can see him sort of like reacting favorably to Hunter while Hunter is, you know, talking uh, a little bit. And uh, he's like nodding along with like, yep, you beat this guy. You beat this guy. You beat that. Wait, 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 wait. You're calling my dad out? What the fuck? You know, uh, so interesting facials here, interesting reactions from Shane, but it is definitely sort of like a weird mid ground that they have a couple of these characters in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, so it is now time for the main event of the evening. Trip, uh, WWF title on the line, Triple H with China versus Vince McMahon. And the special guest is Shane McMahon. Uh, Vince tries to fight, gets beat down pretty handily. Um, Shane, shouts sort of like helpful advice like get your hands up get your hands up come on dad get up you know don't quit this like that whole thing as if shane mcmahon was uh vince mcmahon's pokemon trainer (laughs) um that i actually wrote that down just because like that's what stood out to me uh after watching detective pikachu a whole bunch um (laughs) and uh vince gets uh elbow dropped through the announcer's table um he he gets a he gets a dynamite chair shot to the head i mean woof just right to the head. Uh, Triple H in China attacks Shane, who also gets a crazy chair shot to the head. Uh, Linda and the Stooges come out. The Stooges get attacked. China grabs uh, Linda. Um, and before we get to the rest of uh, what happens here before this match ends, like, this fucking broke down real quick. Yeah, I mean, Vince is, like, he, I'm assuming he, he bladed and he does it really badly. His face is almost covered. And you can we talk about how what Shane's willing to do as a non-wrestler, you can quite clearly see where he got it from because the things that Vince has been willing to do over the course of his time as an on-screen character, especially like when he was feeding against Austin, like even earlier that year, he took that bump from off the side of the cage back in February. Yeah. And so he clearly like he one of the things that he wouldn't ask his superstar to do something he wouldn't be willing to do, and he seems to be up for really anything. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even, you know, as time goes on, even from, like, the time that he becomes the Mr. McMahon character on through, even to today where he's taken, uh, well, I mean, this happened like a year or two ago, but, um, you know, he'll take full-on unprotected headshots, like, headbutts from, like, Kevin Owens and Blade, and he's in his 70s now, but he's still going out there, and he's always been one of those guys, according to everything I've ever heard, that, like, listen, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do, Um, Mm -hmm. so... There's that, that that image of him, too, where he's like all 
uh, in the harness uh, before WrestleMania 12, before uh, Sean came down in the like the zip line at WrestleMania 12 and everything. So Vince is, hey, if he's willing to go out there and stuff, I can't wait to see what he's going to show to the players of the XFL. Um, like if somebody's worried about getting a like a like a punt from deep and taking a like, like a like a like a big tackle, he's going to just go back and like catch the ball and start running 40, 50 yards and then get tackled. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what he does for that. You got to think of the risk that it was a huge thing with the harness. Everything in 12, like when he's testing it, you don't know what could have happened. Like, how awkward would it have been all the people waiting outside? Like, uh, yeah, guys, we're going to have to cancel the show. Uh, the owner of the company tested the zip wire and he's dead now. So, yeah, well, he he bursted like a water balloon as he hit the entranceway. It's a real mess. We've got like four, 10 people cleaning it all up. It's a real pandemonium in there. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, hey, but he, at least he's willing to do it, though. I mean, he there's a long history of Vince McMahon, you know, taking his licks from people. I mean, he he does he gets himself involved in almost every aspect of the business. And say what you want about anything about him, but hey, at least he's willing to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So then Austin ends up coming through the crowd after his music hits, and stunners fucking everywhere. Everybody gets a stunner. Um, and... <laughs> After he uh, stunners Triple H, he ends up grabbing Vince McMahon and throwing him over Triple H, and he gets Shane McMahon's attention, and Shane counts the one, two, three. Your new WWF World Heavyweight Champion, Vinnie Mac, Vince McMahon. Um, And we go off the air as we see the McMahon celebrate, and Triple H sort of really pissed off that he let this happen to himself, but what in the fuck... What? What the what? <laughs> I mean, it's quite clear how this happened. I mean, they looked at the first few weeks of Reigns. They thought, we're doing good. But then Vince thought, how can we make this better? He's like, God damn it. Now I know what the people want. They want to see more of me. I should be the champion. God damn it. Well, he was gone for, what, a month and a half? So he's got to make up for time lost. He's got to be the champion now. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, they, I mean wall-to-wall like this whole show i don't think we got did we get a clear like finish to any match tonight i'm trying to remember as we were go i guess the pepper on a pole match but that had fucking rottweilers you know like the royal rumble match had taker on commentary in street clothes um you think about the rumble like there's no rule that they had to get in the ring immediately so i think that's the closest we got to a clean finish now that you make me think about it because I'm trying to rack my head and I cannot think of a single clean finish. Yeah, I mean, this was just shenanigans, 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 shenanigans. And I mean, I personally can't give this anything other than a thumbs up, to be honest with you. I mean, I was I watched it in two parts and then had to rewind after a slight housing mishap. But like I was like locked in. (laughs) Like, I'm holding my air conditioner by the power cord out of a window on the second floor, and I could not take my eyes off of the screen when, like, some of this shit was going on. I mean, this is peak WWF, just shenanigan-heavy entertainment. And you can't, regardless of the stuff I didn't like, and I still obviously am not a big fan of the whole Big Boss Man Al Snow thing, but I, I mean... There's just so much other good going on on this show that I can't give it anything other than a thumbs up. Scott, what do you give it? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you said. Like, there's so much happening. Like, the whole 
lack of clean finishes aside, like it's hard not to be entertained with how much is happening. Like, like uh, it's really hard to think. Like Vince McMahon, the owner of the company, has now won the top championship. But it's like you think back then, they were constantly thinking, like, what can we do next to surprise people? And I don't think anybody was expecting Vince to come back after two months and win the title. So for that reason, that's a thumbs up from me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this will, as we know, not be the only world title that Vince McMahon wins. I just happen to look forward to him coming out next time with a bandana and a black workout shirt on, uh, strutting his stuff with the WWF title and, uh, under his arm. Um, I mean, so I, I was forced to watch a pay-per-view with that other world title that, that Vince won on that show. And trust me, that world title went through a lot before Vince got his hands on it. Yeah, that's very true. That is very true. Um, so that'll do it for us here. We're gonna we're getting the uh, the old knock on the door. Room service is coming, telling us it's time to check out of the SmackDown Hotel. Um, Scott, what are your plugs? Uh, if you want to hear more of my wrestling pains and more of my random impressions, <laughs> Scottish was... Scottish Vince McMahon is like my favorite thing ever. By the way, yeah, I know I've added like like. British Bulldog, like, I'm pretty sure he's from Manchester and I'm doing a Yorkshire accent, but it all <laughs> sounds like I've become, I'm becoming like what Bruce Pritchard does. Like, Bruce Pritchard on his show, like, any excuse for Conrad can find to get Bruce to do one of his impressions, that's what, that's what this is going to end up turning into. But, well, with uh, the two of us, with the two of us constantly breaking into impressions and whatnot, I'm sure the whole thing, top to bottom, is just going to be like horrible, bad, fun <laughs> impressions the whole time. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, my plugs, I think by the time this goes up, uh, another podcast I hosted from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retreat will be up. I hosted a show looking back at the career of Chris Jericho, a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, and Jimmy's talked about in depth in various other podcasts. So if you want to go check that out. Uh, I have another episode of my podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, coming up soon. Uh, we're on Twitter at svrambling, facebook.com forward slash rambling podcast. Uh, we're doing a lot of movie-related stuff in our next episode, and uh, the next week's obviously, we'll be covering a lot of stuff to do with SummerSlam, and uh, we're even thinking of doing our, an old retro SummerSlam, but we're just trying to settle on which year. And there are a lot of really good SummerSlams to choose from, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to follow the rest of us over here at Rogue Opinions, it's at Rogue underscore Opinions. I'm at Mr. Riot on Twitter. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I think that's about it. If you want to follow uh, some of the promotions that I work for, uh, it's uh, at Pro Wrestling Magic on Twitter, at VXS Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, follow us there for more information. Uh, if you are from the New York, New Jersey area, why aren't you coming out to our shows? God damn it. Um, yeah, and I think that'll do it for us here. Look forward to, uh, another predictions face off, uh, coming up the next couple of weeks where, uh, Scott and Carl are going to be covering takeover. By the way, you guys are covering takeover. Um, yeah, thanks, and... for, thanks for the heads up, by the way. <laughs> See, a, a lot of, a, a lot of stuff does come out when me and, uh, Nathan are like talking for four and a half hours on Skype and we just sort of like come to decisions and i don't ever get i don't ever remember to like tell anybody anything so sorry about that yeah i was having fun listening to uh, your summer slam show and then right at the end so about then us doing takeover like they're like do we do they even know when I'm, I'm sitting on the bus like no i do not know <laughs> you're just you know. Scre- screaming into your phone no i don't fucking know 
everyone on the bus slowly moving away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, of course, we're going to be doing, uh, Nathan and I are going to be doing another one of our incredibly fun, drunken main roster pay-per-view reviews. And the loser of those two predictions contests will face off and will come together, rather, to do a punishment podcast that uh, uh, is uh, yet to be disclosed to everybody, but it is a doozy. Um, it may take some time to get that one recorded, believe me. Um, and uh, that's about it. So again, as we're getting rushed out of the room here at the SmackDown Hotel, I'm Jim. That's been Scott. Thank you guys very much for joining us. And we promise we will be back a little less than a week from now <laughs> with the next episode of Retro SmackDown. Thank you, guys. Good night. <laughs>